If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. All right, well, it is my privilege now to uh, introduce, not really need to introduce because he is the papa of this house, and, uh, and he's my father, and I have asked him to please come and share a great truth with us today. You're going to be blessed by this word, and if you would please stand with me and give honor and a great welcome to my dad, Dr. John Holler. Folks, y'all can be seated. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I really appreciate the honor and the sweetness and the kindness and the Led Zeppelin. Uh, uh, I'm here today to talk to you about the children of faith. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 3 as we get started. Who the children of faith are, what you, what you have connected yourself to in this thing called faith. As far as the modern church knows, this faith message began in 1517 with a little German monk who got all kinds of bent out of shape (laughs) over an edict from Rome that said you could purchase your loved ones who are in purgatory their way out. If you just bought it, if you paid for an indulgence, that God would forgive them and would pop their soul out of of purgatory. I married a German, and I know what it means when a German gets mad. (laughs) And that Martin Luther got all kinds of mad. He was furious. He just about drove himself crazy over it. And he wrote... A sermon that had 95 points to it. I'm preaching six today. Y'all ought to relax. It's called the 95 Theses. He made 95 high-powered points. Does anybody here feel like I do that you're kind of in a time warp? I'm talking about history, and it sort of made me think about how this worship team sort of puts me in a time warp because I look up there and I see, my, I'm, I see my son-in-law standing right here playing the guitar. Then I look over there and I see him what he looked like when I first met him standing right there playing the guitar. <laughs> I guess some sort of time warp. <laughs> How'd y'all do that? That's really... <laughs> It's really cute. <laughs> but I, uh, I've come to be a huge fan of Martin Luther. I have been for many, many years. I appreciate what the man did. I'm not saying I agree with everything he said and did, but I'm saying that I thank God for someone who stood up for the message of faith and changed the world. You understand that Western civilization was built on that. What we know as Christian, what we know as Christian culture, which is in the the most of Africa except for the top tier, basically. The most of Africa has Christian culture. The most of Europe has Christian culture. I'm not saying everybody there is saved. Don't don't go too wild with that. All of the Americas, Christian culture. Many parts of Asia now, 
Christian culture, Western civilization, because one man got a message and delivered it to the world. And it was the message. If it could, if it could be boiled down to two words, it would be the message, sola fide. In Latin, it simply means faith alone. Faith alone. Faith alone. Only faith. That's why we keep preaching it over and over here. I happen to know that if, a, if the message of the Word of God can get in you, it can get through you. And if it can get through you, it can certainly get to you. Amen. So whatever promises you will allow to flow through your life, they have to come to your life before they can go through. You understand what we're saying here? That when God talks to us about being uh, prosperous and healthy and all of the things that go with being born again, all the things that go with being in covenant with God, when you begin to let that come out of your mouth as what you believe, establishing your faith in the doctrine of your own mouth, glory to God, saying what God said, your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. And what you believe is dictated by what you constantly hear. And if, if what you constantly conf, uh, hear is, uh, is, is being dictated, then it ought to be in your control that you're the one making the confession. It is controlled then by what you constantly confess. Amen. That's why we go through this every week. We keep coming back to the church. We keep coming back to hear it. We keep coming back here to hear the message over and over because it's so powerful, so important to keep faith rising because God's not waiting to bless you. Jesus has already died. He's already died to enforce his will, amen, and he's waiting for you to believe it in every area of your life. I do believe this with all my heart. I know some things that I thought I had faith for uh, 10, 15 years ago, and I was believing and believing I didn't have faith for it, but today it comes easy. Everybody understand what we're talking about? It, it, today it just comes easy because if you will just keep walking by faith instead of what you're experiencing, what you see and what you feel and what you taste and touch and all that, if you'll just keep walking by faith, declaring it to be the truth, you'll look around one day and all of a sudden it will be happening for you. That which you've believed God for. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6 says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same, those very ones, are the children of Abraham. That's you. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Look at two people and say, He's talking about you. Amen. Now I want to take you, I want to take you back in time in Genesis chapter 15. If you'll turn there with me or look on the screen. Genesis chapter 15, we're going to see the first six verses. I, as a Bible professor, I, I do a lot of deep study. I do historical studies. I do contextual studies, word searches and things like that in depth. It's my job. It's what I'm paid to do. I do it with all my gusto. And I want you to understand that there are things that you need to know about Bible interpretation. You can understand the Bible, but you can't just pick up the Bible and go to reading it without having heard it preached. You see, the Bible does not say that faith comes from reading the Bible. The Bible says faith comes from hearing it preached. That's what Romans chapter 10 actually says. You read the context of it, it says faith comes from hearing it spoken. Amen. 
I don't know why God made it that way except the earth, that creation responded to that. You were created by a word. When God said, let there be light, you were somewhere in that creative power. You were somewhere in that creative force. You understand that? So really, what words are what, what created us? In fact, they have, they have gone smaller and smaller and smaller in their research, not with microscopes, but in their, in their mathematical calculations. They, they took us from molecules to, or from, yeah, from cells to molecules and from molecules to atoms and from atoms to the subatomic particles. And then now they're talking about there being this matter that they don't even know what to call it. Some call it dark matter. Some call it black matter. Some call it some other kind of thing. Some call these uh, the, the, some sort of sub, 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 subatomic particles that's beyond the proton, the neutron, electron. They, they're, they're finding something they're calling quarks. Anybody heard about quarks? You know what they're telling us that they are? The best they can, the best they can deduce of what a quark is, they're not really sure, but the best they can figure out is if they could call it anything, they'd call it a sound wave. Hello, the Bible told us a long time ago everything was created with sound waves. God said, let there be. Every time God said, let the earth be, every time, everything in its essence is the voice of God. Every cell in your being, everything that you are was created by, glory to God, by the Word of God. That's why faith can't come some other way. That's how faith comes. That's how what builds your heart comes. It comes by hearing the Word of God preached. Can I get a good amen? amen. Can I have a better amen? amen? My wife says, as the baby of the family, you need constant affirmation. I said, yes. She actually said a lot of affirmation. I said, no, I need constant affirmation. So Genesis 15 is the great story of how our father Abraham, which Galatians chapter 3 told us about. Now, there is one thing I want you to notice about Galatians chapter 3 that's kind of a sidebar. It says that there in verse 8, and the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. It says the Scriptures preached to Abraham. Look at Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came into Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him again, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your seed be. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, the Lord, Lord counted it to him, Abram, for righteousness. That is, he hadn't done anything to be righteous. He hadn't become righteous. He hadn't started acting righteous. He didn't even confess he was righteous. He just believed that God had made the promise, believed the promise that God had made to him. Now, he'd been walking by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that he left his country by faith. He'd already been in faith in some measure, but he was a fa- he was, his faith was, in, it was an obedience kind of faith. He was afraid that if he didn't do it, he'd die. 
How many of you have ever done anything like that? You're afraid if you didn't do it, you'd just die. Well, that's not a righteousness faith. A righteousness faith comes one way, by believing about the promise, by believing the promise, believing the promise, believing the promise. And the primary promise you must believe, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard the gospel lately, you're going to hear it today. The primary promise there is to believe is that Christ died for your sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day because when you believe that promise, you can believe that everything that sin let in died too. Glory to God. He didn't have to die for your sickness. He didn't have to die for your prosperity. He didn't have to die for your well-being. He just had to die for sin because that was what was taking away your prosperity. That was what was taking away your health. That was what was taking away every good thing that happened in you. Every bad thing that ever came to man came because of sin. And every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights from above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, meaning that God always does good and won't ever change his mind. Amen. I've studied this passage I don't know how many times because of Martin Luther. It is the centerpiece of Paul's doctrine. Galatians, I make that Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to, to all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. In verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The just shall live by faith. That was, that was the centerpiece of the Reformation, the centerpiece of Western civilization. That was the centerpiece. Romans 1, 16 and 17, Then Martin Luther built all of his doctrine around. And that came out of Paul's doctrine, which was built around this passage, Genesis 15, 6, specifically, which says, he believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted it to him for righteousness. It's such an important passage, such an important passage in Genesis chapter 15, 1 through 6 in particular, that I began to really study it deeply. And I found, laying the rules of interpretation to it, I found an interesting thing. Anybody want to hear what they, this interesting thing I found is? I found astonishing truths here based on the law of first mention. Now, the law of first mention is one of the numerous rules of a biblical interpretation. And in the law of first mention, I found six words in this passage that are first mentioned there. Not in Genesis 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, or 14, but they're mentioned here in this great passage where we are also recognized as heirs of Abraham. The first word mentioned there is the word vision. The next one is, it's a phrase, fear not. It's the first time it's, first time it's ever used in the Bible. The word reward, first time it's ever used. The word heir, H-E-I-R, and the word believe or faith, first time it's used right there. And the word righteousness. I don't know what that does to you, but that blesses me all under. Amen. Vision, fear not, reward, air, faith, and righteousness. Those six words, the first time they're mentioned in the Bible, are in this passage. As the children of Abraham, it is the will of God for you to have vision. He said, the Bible says that the word of the Lord appeared to Abram in a vision. Is everyone hearing me? Is everyone seeing my words? No, you're not. You're hearing my words. You can see my words with a condition attached. That condition being 
that I write them down. You can hear my words, but you cannot see my words until I write them. We put them up there. You see them. The Bible says the word of the Lord appeared to Abram in a vision. Did not say in a it did not say in a wind where he could hear it. Did not say in braille where he could feel it. It said it appeared to him where he could see them. The word of the Lord, he saw it. And when you read in Galatians chapter 3, it says the scriptures preached to Abraham. I'm telling you, and in particular, it was talking about that very passage in Genesis 15. I'm saying what I believe happened that day was Abram was in a vision and he saw a scroll with these words written on it. I am your exceeding great reward. If I give you myself, I'll give you everything I have. Glory to God. The first piece of Scripture God showed Abram. 400 years before Moses ever started writing. You see what's on God's mind? He wants you to know you have Him. That you're a part of Him. Glory to God. First mentioned thing, vision, and the vision was about the Word. I don't know what you think your Bible is, but it's not a history book. Oh, yeah, it has history in it. The prison epistles I teach them, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, all written from the Mamertine prison in Rome. I teach that course at Christ for the Nations. And the study that I had to do for that to qualify to teach it was not only immense, but it was senseless and useless. Because what the, what the writers who write the textbooks on the prison epistles want you to know is the landscape and the setting and the context and the historical background. They want you to know all this stuff so as to make you believe something that the epistles say don't really mean what they say. They make these weird, contrived applications that take all of the juice out of it, that take all of the power out of it. And I promised my students, I'm going to give you two sessions on the history of the prison epistles. I'm going to talk to you about my own experience of being in the Mamertine prison, and I'm going to share a little bit of the backdrop historically. But after that, we're going to go to the book itself. We're going to start reading it verse by verse, and we're going to exegete it one line after another because it's far more important that you know what the book says than how it was written. It's not important that you know all that. It's important that you know what God is saying. The Word appears to you in a vision. And what that, why it's so important for you to see it with your eyes is not just so that you can say, I read the Bible. It's important to you to see with your eyes of the Spirit because if you read the Bible and understand the Word and hear it preached, it will chart the course for your own future. You can see where you're going. Glory to God. Instead of always wondering why God took you through things in the past and well, 
I don't know what the Lord had in mind when he took me through that. Come on, you've been there. I have too. We all have. Oh, that was really a hard time. What the Lord took us. I wish I knew what that, you know, maybe one day we'll see. Listen, that is not the way, that's not the way God meant for us to live. God meant for us to forget the past and press on toward the future and know what's coming in the future. It's the will of God for you to have a vision for the future. He doesn't have a whole bunch of friends. He just has you to share what he wants to see in this world. Amen. I mean, if you, you, you have family and friends to tell them where you're going, to talk about your plans and your dreams, to share them with. You don't share them with people who are going to scoff you. He just has a few people that he really can trust with his dreams and his, his ideas about where, the, where planet Earth is going and who will actually believe him when he says it. Glory to God. He's looking to see, see, have some people in the earth who can see what he sees. That's what he wrote that whole big book about. Glory to God. The second word I want, to, I want you to see, it's actually a phrase, is fear not. Fear not. I was told that there were over 365, at least 365. I'm glad they said over 365 fear nots in the Bible. Somebody, somebody counted them. I'm so happy they said over 365 because, you know, what do we do with leap year? I mean, I was glad there's more than 365. But there's at least one to cover every day. I'd hate to be here on you know, February 29th and not have a promise. But uh, <laughs> I know this, that about 4,000 people every year die on Texas streets and highways from car accidents. There's this percentage that gets cancer, that percentage that gets heart disease. There are th this many dropouts and that many shootings and this many divorces and that many bankruptcies and that many drug cartels. Yeah, 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 yeah. And on and on and on and on and on. Did you all get the news? I mean, did you get the bad news? I mean, I, I see the bad news almost every morning. My wife doesn't let me watch much of it. But I, 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 I know what the bad news is, but I just thank God that I got over 365 fear knots. Amen. Because that news is almost always driven by fear. They want you to know all the possibilities. What if? But, but yeah, but what if? But what if? You ever what if your way into fear? I have. I've, I've what if my way right into unbelief before. Tuesday. Can happen any day of the week. I had a police officer come to our church one time years ago, and he said, <laughs> he said they got a call. And there was a, a lady, he was a motorcycle cop, and the lady had called the station so he could quickly get there. He happened to be close to where it was, and he responded. She was next door to her house. She said, there's, a, there, there's someone in my house. And night had fallen. It was just, just, just getting dark. She had gone to the grocery store, and when she came back, her front door was ajar. And she was terrified. She went next door to the neighbors. She said, somebody's in my house. Called the cops, and the cops came. And they, she met them outside. The police officer said, now just, just uh, stay right here. You just stay right here. And I'm going to go in. We'll find him. So the cop, there's two of them actually showed up and got their big flashlights and they're walking through the house. And she's standing out there on the sidewalk. And she starts what ifing. She plays out a scenario in her little mind. What if they flush him out? He's certainly not going to come the way they've come. He's not going to come out the front. What if they flush him out and he runs out the back? 
and realizes that he can't get out my back fence. There's no gate back there. The only gate into the backyard is on the side. What if he runs around the side and opens that door, opens that side gate, and runs right back out here into the front of the house? What if he grabs me and holds me hostage? What if he's found a gun? What if? What if? What if he takes me, kidnaps me? What if the police can't? What if? So she solved her problem by saying, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go in there where the policemen are. That's the safest place in town right at the moment. I'm going to go in there where the policemen are. So as, so as not to frighten them, she tiptoes up, beside, up behind the cop while he's, got, he's walking through the dark. You know, I mean, every, you know, every hair on his head standing straight up. He's, he's just walking through the house like this with his, with his flashlight. And, you know, so as to alert him that she's there and not startle him, she walked up and t- tapped him on the shoulder. He whirled around and hit her right in the head with his flashlight. <laughs> Cracked her little head open. I had to holler. I had to call an ambulance, haul her down to the, the hospital and get her sewed up, poor little thing. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I, fear just what if she to death? I mean, it's gonna, it'll make you think things that aren't true, make you see things that aren't there, make you obey meaningless and powerless opinions of your flesh. That's why he shouts out, fear not, everywhere Jesus goes, fear not. Ah, but I'm afraid. I said, fear not. This is not the Jesus that you see tiptoeing through the tulips that every, you know, people. <laughs> oh, Jesus is so nice. Apparently, you haven't read the Bible. Apparently, you haven't read the Bible. That sweet little kind Jesus. I can't believe you're a Christian and talk like that. I can't believe you're alive. (laughs) That's not the Jesus of the Bible. He was was something else. Fear not, but, but, but we're dying here. There are waves. We've got a little boat. We're seasoned fishermen. We know when it's bad. Mr. Carpenter. We know when trouble's afoot on the sea. We live our lives out here. And you say, don't fear. Okay. Okay. I'm still afraid. It's not working. Everywhere Jesus went. The man's got a, the man's got a daughter who has died. Everybody there has checked the pulse. She's dead. Jesus walks in. Don't be afraid. She's just sleeping. <laughs> you understand this? this is not, he did not come to make friends. He didn't come to take sides. He didn't come to take offense. He came to take over. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the heritage you have. Fear not. Now listen, the third thing is reward. The third thing is reward. We don't get told this very often, but why did David fight Goliath? David fought Goliath, stinking, lousy, Philistine. David fought him because of what was in it for him. He he found out three times what the reward was. The most emphasized part of that story is what he was going to get for his efforts. 
Let me tell you something. That's why your pastor preaches rewards and promises all the time. It's the kind of preaching that changes the world. Not only, not only did Martin Luther preach about faith, then make that the centerpiece of his doctrine, he also was a big one to keep preaching about the promises of God to the people of God. He preached the promises of God incessantly to the people of God. Because I know this, as the Reformers knew this, that if you can just get the body of Christ over on to receiving the promises, they won't have time to be thinking about waywardness and sinfulness. Glory to God. Praise God. And I've just come to tell you, if the Dallas Cowboys can beat the New York Philistines, you can beat the Giants. You can beat the giants in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> they didn't have a chance, but they did anyway. Amen. And the fourth word is air, H-E-I-R, an air. A little girl was headed to a Bible study. The first time air is mentioned, and Paul teaches us that we are joint heirs with Christ. Back in the first, the early part of the last century, 1917, roughly, a little girl was headed to a Bible study, and Bolsheviks on horses showed up, those who were going to overthrow the Russian czars and implement communism. They showed up, and they were going to have their way with this little girl, teenage girl. She was headed to church, and they thought that they could just treat Christians Anybody who believed in God, any way they chose. They said, where are you going, little girl? She said, Jesus, help me. Lord, help me. I cannot lie to them. And all of a sudden, she had a thought. My elder brother has died. And I'm going for the reading of the will. Glory to God. Amen. And they let her go. Amen. Amen. You've all showed up here today for the reading of the will. Your elder brother died, and when he did, the will went into force. Modern religion's going to tell you that you don't get anything that the Bible promises until after you die. I say, what kind of cruel hoax is that? That God writes a will for his beneficiaries and says, oh, by the way, you don't get it until you die. If your Uncle Louie did that, you'd just say he was a jerk. <laughs> Which is why most of the world thinks God's a jerk. Because he's been preached wrong. He's been represented wrong. He made all these promises so you could enjoy them by faith. Amen. The only caveat is you've got to show up for the reading of the will and believe it's yours. Amen. Can I have a good amen? amen. The next most important word, and first mentioned word, is faith. I think it's wonderful that it's there. Faith in what? Faith in that word he saw. Faith in that word he saw. Now, the great emperors, in what they call the Principate period, Principate period, the great emperors began with Augustus Caesar. He was Caesar when Jesus 
came to planet earth. After him was Tiberius. After him was, you might know him as Gaius, but most of the world knows him as Caligula, one of the most evil men that ever lived. After him was Claudius. And after Claudius, and there are a number of big events in the Bible that happened during these men's reign, but I'm not going to go into it today. After Claudius, well, Claudius Caesar was, was Caesar during most of Paul's time, during Paul's conversion. And then after Claudius was Nero, who historians tell us was emperor when Paul was beheaded in Rome. He's the one who called for his execution. Then there were three insignificant ones in one year, they were all usurpers trying to take over the throne. After Nero and, and all, and Rome had burned, there was a lot, of, a lot of calamity in the city, a lot of upheaval in the city. A guy named Galba, and then one named Otho, and then one Vitellus. These guys all lasted a couple of months apiece. And the fourth one, and all four of these reigned in the same year. The fourth, because they were overthrowing each other, trying to get, get control of Nero's throne. And the fourth one was a guy named Vespasian. Vespasian was a hoss. He took off over and there was no looking back because he had a son named Titus who was mean, mean, mean. And uh, he loved his father. And Titus ran the, ran the military and so they took control of Rome, Vespasian and Titus. Stay with me. It's a good story. Vespasian ruled and he just had one problem in his massive kingdom. He just had one problem. Oh, there were little things here and there, but he just had one big problem. It was a place called Jerusalem. The Jews just kept revolting, revolting and revolting. I mean, it was one thing after another, and Titus would get angry, take his father's, he'd take up his father's offense. You ever taken someone's offense or known anyone who had somebody else's offense? They're madder than the person who really was offended. And Titus was like that, protective. Let me just tell you something. Don't ever pick on me in front of this guy right here. He'll use those guns on you. I mean, these guns. I, I didn't mean he's real. I didn't mean that. I mean, these guns. <laughs> because he just, he's just protective of me, which is the way a son is supposed to be. But Titus was really that way with his dad, and they both despised Jews, and they despised Israel, and they despised the trouble that Jerusalem had made for them. So in A.D. Uh, 69, Vespasian comes to power, and in A.D. 70, he ordered Titus, or allowed Titus, to march on Jerusalem. And Titus marched on Jerusalem and, and massacred the city, destroyed the city, destroyed the temple. He went in, and in order to completely desecrate the temple mount, he took a pig and slaughtered it on the altar, set it afire, and began to haul wood in as a dismantling the city, hauled wood in to make the greatest fire he possibly could in there to ruin the stones, the structure of the stones, to try to bake them so that they would crumble. Just a massive fire in there. And finally, the next day after the fire began to calm down, he remembered that that dome was plated with gold, about a quarter inch of gold, th thick, all on the inside of that dome. And when he went in there, it was all gone. He had melted that gold and it had run off the dome down into the walls of that temple, down into the cracks of the temple. And now we hear the words of Jesus, don't we? I tell you, there shall not be one stone left upon another here, but it shall all be thrown down. Titus took, told his troops to go in there and dismantle that temple 
and get that gold from between those stones. And they began to tear it down, stone by stone, gigantic stones, stone by stone, to get the gold out of the temple. And, it, of course, it didn't run all the way to the bottom, but he'd, when he got it about halfway torn down, he realized, hey, this is a great statement we're making here. We're going to level the thing. We're going to raise it level with the earth. So they went ahead and tore the entire thing down. Then he takes 16,000 captives, marches them, and, and hauls them back to Rome and only to reenact his so-called victory over Jerusalem all up and down the Appian Way, crucifying people along the Appian Way, which is the, the road that leads from the south into Rome all the way to the Colosseum. Whew. Vicious, vicious attack. That happened in A.D. 70. June the 24th, A.D. 79, um, uh, yes, A.D. 79, June the 24th, his father Vespasian died. And Titus became the emperor. June the 24th, July the 24th, August the 24th, two months later, Mount Vesuvius erupted and swallowed Pompeii and Herculaneum and another little town between them. Thousands upon thousands of Italians of Romans died two months after Titus comes to power. I want you to understand something. He did not believe in the promise that God had made to Abraham. Who blesses you, I will bless. Who curses you, I will curse. I'm not saying God goes out to kill people, not after Calvary. I am saying this. When God puts a word out there, it's up to you oftentimes whether it's a blessing to you or a curse to you. When God puts a word out there, it's up to you if it becomes a blessing or if it becomes a curse. How many of you are raising kids right now? Huh? Don't get in the candy jar. Now, the child has an option right there. Because if you get in the candy jar, wrath is going to rain down on you. Like George Bush on Osama bin Laden. I mean, like... Uh, on, <laughs> Oh, who was the guy that George went after? Not Osama. Saddam Hussein, yeah. That was close. So the child now has an option whether to make that word a blessing or to make that word a curse. Everyone understand this? God got over his anger, but he put a word out there a long, long time ago that's still in force. You need to change your attitude about Israel because that word is still in force. If it was in force in A.D. 79, it's in force today. You might keep that in mind when you go vote. I'm just saying. And the last one is righteousness. And I'm not going to take any time to talk about that because I've talked about it so much. If you don't understand it by now, Pastor Eric, we teach righteousness here all the time by faith. But these six words, vision, fear not, reward, err, faith, and righteousness, the first mention in the Bible, and they're all there in that one wonderful moment. Do you see what God is saying about you? You have a reward, and you have a right to it. You are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ, and you have a right to it. Amen. You got your righteousness by faith. Glory to God. You, you are what God wants, and he can, just, he can just boldly declare to you, don't be afraid because I have a vision for you, and I want you in on it. Would you bow your heads with me, please?
Father, I thank you for this day and for this gathering of your saints. I ask that you bless them in the name of Jesus. Bless them with supernatural occurrences happening as they, as they have uh, uh, taken this word and received this word in them. Let them impart it to others now and sow the seeds of reconciliation to the world. Sow the seeds of good things to the world. I'm asking in Jesus' name that these seeds will be strewn from this place all over this city and all over the circles of influence that are with the people of God here now. I'm asking in Jesus' name that you'll cause their joy to spring forth like a fountain, hallelujah, like a mountain stream running the freshness of your presence will be with them every moment as they meditate upon the truths of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, I pray now, Father, for those who are here today who have yet to make Christ the Savior of their lives, to receive Jesus as Lord of their lives. I'm asking you, my Father, that you'll touch their hearts and help them to see the truth and the wonderful glory of knowing you in, in the person of Jesus Christ. I thank you for that today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.